0: nether words. Read for you by Charles Logan. Two-Handed Engine By Henry Kuttner and C.L. Moore Part 3 The fury walked calmly between the tables, threading its shining way touching no one. Every face blanched, turned towards it. Every mind thought, Can it be for me? Even the entirely innocent thought, This is the first mistake they've ever made, and it's come for me. The first mistake, but there's no appeal, and I could never prove a thing. For while guilt had no meaning in this world, punishment did have meaning, and punishment could be blind, striking like the lightning. Danner, between set teeth, told himself over and over, Not for me. I'm safe. I'm protected. It hasn't come from me. And yet he thought how strange it was. What a coincidence, wasn't it, that there should be two murderers here, under this expensive glass roof today? Himself and the one the fury had come for. He released his fork and heard it clink on the plate. He looked down at it and the food, and suddenly his mind rejected everything around him and went diving off on a fugitive tangent like an ostrich into sand. He thought about food. How did asparagus grow? What did raw food look like? He had never seen any. Food came ready-cooked out of restaurant kitchens or automatic slots. Potatoes, now. What did they look like? A moist white mash? No, for sometimes they were oval slices, so the thing itself must be oval, but not round. Sometimes you got them in long strips, squared off at the ends. Something quite long and oval, then chopped into even lengths. And white, of course and they grew underground, he was almost sure. Long, thin roots twining white arms around the pipes and conduits he had seen laid bare when the streets were under repair. How strange that he should be eating something like thin, ineffectual human arms that embraced the sewers of the city and writhed pallidly where the worms had their being. And where he himself, when the fury found him, might, he pushed the plate away. An indescribable rustling and murmuring in the room lifted his eyes for him, as if he were an automaton. The fury was halfway across the room now, and it was almost funny to see the relief of those whom it had passed by. Two or three of the women had buried their faces in their hands, and one man had slipped quietly from his chair into a dead faint as the fury's passing released their private dreads back into their hidden wells. The thing was quite close now. It looked to be about seven feet tall, and its motion was very smooth, which was unexpected when you thought about it, smoother than human motions. Its feet fell with a heavy, measured tread upon the carpet. Thud, thud, thud. Danner tried impersonally to calculate what it weighed. You always heard that they made no sound except for that terrible tread, but this one creaked very slightly somewhere. It had no features, but the human mind couldn't help sketching in lightly a sort of airy face upon that blank steel surface with eyes that seemed to search the room. It was coming closer. Now all eyes were converging towards Danner, and the fury came straight on. It almost looked as if... No, Danner said to himself, this can't be. He felt like a man in a nightmare, on the verge of waking. Let me wake soon, he thought. Let me wake now, before it gets here. But he did not wake, and now the thing stood over him, and the thudding footsteps stopped. There was the faintest possible creaking as it towered over his table, motionless, waiting. Its featureless face turned towards his. Danner felt an intolerable tide of heat surge up into his face. Rage. Shame. Disbelief. His heart pounded so hard the room swam, and a sudden pain like jagged lightning shot through his head from temple to temple. He was on his feet, shouting. No. No! he yelled at the impassive steel. You're wrong. You've made a mistake. Go away, you damned fool! You're wrong! You're wrong! He groped on the table without looking down, found his plate, and hurled it straight at the armored chest before him. China shattered. Spilled food smeared a white and green and brown stain over the steel. Danner floundered out of his chair, around the table, past the tall metal figure, towards the door. All he could think of now was hearts. Seas of faces swam by him on both sides as he stumbled out of the restaurant. Some watched with avid curiosity, their eyes seeking him. Some did not look at all but gazed at their plates rigidly or covered their faces with their hands. Behind him the measured tread came on and the rhythmic faint creak from somewhere Inside the armor. The faces fell away on both sides, and he went through a door without any awareness of opening it. He was in the street. Sweat bathed him, and the air struck icy, though it was not a cold day. He looked blindly left and right, and then plunged for a bank of phone booths half a block away. The image of hearts swimming before his eyes so clearly. He blundered into people without seeing them. Dimly he heard indignant voices begin to speak and then die into awestruck silence. The way cleared magically before him. He walked in the newly created island of his isolation up to the nearest booth. After he had closed the glass door, the thunder of his own blood in his ears made the little soundproofed booth reverberate. Through the door, he saw the robot stand passionlessly waiting. The smear of spilled food still streaking its chest, like some robotic ribbon of honor across a steel shirt front. Danner tried to dial a number. His fingers were like rubber. He breathed, deep and hard, trying to pull himself together. An irrelevant thought floated across the surface of his mind. I forgot to pay for my dinner. And then, a lot of good the money will do me now. Oh, damn. Hearts, damn him. Damn him! He got the number. A girl's face flashed into sharp, clear colors on the screen before him. Good, expensive screens in the public booths on this part of town, his mind noted impersonally. This is Controller Hartz's office. May I help you? Danner tried twice before he could give his name. He wondered if the girl could see him, and behind him, dimly through the glass, the tall waiting figure. He couldn't tell, because she dropped her eyes immediately to what must have been a list on the unseen table before her. I'm sorry. Mr. Hartz is out. He won't be back today. The screen drained of light and color. Danner folded back the door and stood up. His knees were unsteady. The robot stood just far enough back to clear the hinge of the door. For a moment, they faced each other. Danner heard himself suddenly in the midst of an uncontrollable giggling, which even he realized verged on hysteria. The robot, with the smear of food like a ribbon of honor, looked so ridiculous. Danner, to his dim surprise, found that all this while he had been clutching the restaurant napkin in his left hand. Stand back, he said to the robot. Let me out. Oh, you fool! Don't you know this is a mistake? His voice quavered. The robot creaked faintly and stepped back. It's bad enough to have you follow me, Danner said. At least you might be clean. A dirty robot is too much. Too much. The thought was idiotically unbearable, and he heard tears in his voice. Half laughing, half weeping, he wiped the steel chest clean and threw the napkin to the floor. And it was at that very instant, with the feel of the hard chest still vivid in his memory, that realization finally broke through the protective screen of hysteria, and he remembered the truth. He would never in life be alone again. Never. While he drew breath. And when he died, it would be at these steel hands, perhaps upon this steel chest, with the passionless face bent to his, the last thing in life he would ever see. No human companion, but the black steel skull of the Fury.